This week on the Podland Trailcasters. I'm so burned out with trade talk at this point. Best baseball shirt ever. Yeah, except I, I'm still wearing it just for you, but spilled <laughs> coffee on it today. <laughs> As I oh. up, you can see. Oh, right, right on the logo there. It's a, it's a prototype, you're allowed. Lovely day to have some custom Trailcasters mugs. Oh, yeah, Josh, yeah. Josh, I Josh Hart and second round picks, that's going to get it in? I mean, I'm fine with that. I, I don't. I, I don't want to move Nurk for him. I don't think he's anywhere near worth that. Have a little more of this Trailcasters tea, real quick. Kelly Olynyk is Drew Eubanks with a three-point shot. So, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling left out. I got, I got the mug, and then you got the shirt. I feel like I need to go put on another Trailcasters shirt just to wear a uh, uniform. You know, I'm like out of the, uh, out of the work attire. Because at least Vanderbilt, you can kind of build as a power forward of the future, almost. Joel bill of signature right here behind me. So now I feel like it's like nice. a, you know, there's a homage. We can I want to I want to work that nickname into the intro. Oh boy! Oh, that's a whole nother podcast we're getting into at that point. That's cut. Just, uh, that's hitting the cutting room floor. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to be fair, I was only 15 minutes late this morning. I'm, I'm on the record. 10:30 to 10:45. I, I don't know. We're, we're, the numbers maybe don't line up, but they speak for themselves. Yeah, it's a hard out at like. 2.30, and I don't think you're going to take the next four hours, three hours, whatever. Hey, man, hold, hold my tea. We can make this happen. We can we can go long, long form pod. Moderator, <laughs> you didn't close the room so anyone could join. Secondly, you're talking about <laughs> some up, people Mac? would think this, and he feels his ears burning. And Mac Red, jumps in. About to sell. Mac jumps in to, tra- uh, to talk. That's kind of funny. Now, to your Great point, timing. though. All right, whatever. That's enough. We, we got to talk about all right, I'm ready to roll. Let me start this recording over just to make it easier. And boom shakalaka. All right, let's roll. Boom shakalaka, bingo, bingo, bongo. Bingo. Bango. Bongo. A bluey. Uh, give me a three, two, one. Three, two, one. Hello, Rip City. To all of you ladies and gentlemen and everyone in between, in town and out of town and in every corner of these worldwide interwebs, thank you for tuning in. Here with you from Hood River, the not-so-vanilla Hood River Gorilla. My name is Keith Feltner smith and here with me to balance out this Hawaiian-time Oregonian, we've got the on-time Hawaiian, the master of segues, Mr. Professional Christopher Joseph Burkhardt! Good morning, sir. How you doing? I'm awake now. Yes, sir. Hey. <laughs> Look, I was not. I was feeling a little under the weather last couple weeks. Feel like I had to bring it this time. So, got some additions, got some fresh touch-up flavor for that intro, and and yeah, I'm I'm here to zest up your morning. How how's it how's it working? Um, sure, sure. I didn't need any <laughs> any zest. Just being around you zests it up. Okay. Aw, aw. I feel it. I feel the love. A good liar. Feel or? the love. Yeah. <laughs> You, hey man, like we said last week, you're a, you're a talker. Talkers talk. Part of talking is maybe uh, expounding upon uh, the basic truths. <laughs> if you wanna, if you wanna call that line, that's your choice. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be so harsh. You're, you're, you take your poetic licenses any way you choose. How's the, how, how is the, how's the house of chaos over there in, in uh, the land of Burkhart? How's, how's butterscotch coming along? Still, oh, still with us? Butterscotch cup. I don't even know what the damn hamster's game <laughs> is anymore. The, the hamster's doing well. There's no escape artist. Still living and breathing. So we're on that. Nice. My house, my, <laughs> my, my office is, uh, my office is still still in shambles as i as i continue my my pro- oh, yeah. my, my project of building hey, my chair building my chair <laughs> and it's like just pieces everywhere like i'm not going to clean this place but i'm done with my project so here we are and gotta finish that but I, I, then i'm like a weirdo who gets sidetracked i'm like oh i gotta build this computer chair that i tore apart and then in the <laughs> middle you know rather than get that done i'm like I'm gonna try to make new Trailcaster shirts. <laughs> I'm gonna. They order look great, mug. though. Yeah, the the dude, the the mug. We you you. I finally came and picked up this mug. You've had waiting for me for weeks. I was happy to finally be able to bring you some bread in exchange. So I'm not showing up empty-handed to a to a gift exchange there. And this mug, man, is fantastic. I posted a picture on our Discord right from the car in the parking lot when I came to meet you. 
and instantly, I, like, I don't know, I don't think it was even hours, I want to say minutes later, we had people on the Discord, shout out to Drubastank, uh, saying, yo, I want one of those, and so we've already, you know, we're, I, I came to you, we're, you're making more, I'm going to pick them up, and we're, we've got our first swag going out to fans this weekend, I'm stoked, man, like, we've had some shirts for a little while, you made this mug, it's been for us and on the pod here, for the, for the visual, but now we're spreading the TC swag everywhere, like, it's going to be all over Portland, you're going to start seeing the Podland Trailcasters logo popping up, people are going to be drinking out of these mugs, we're going to have t-shirts coming out to people soon, what else can we get going? We get some, maybe a, a TC beanie. It's, it's still winter, right? Maybe uh, some some TC board shorts for when it's nice and hot outside and I'm not wearing anything but my board shorts down at the river. There you go. We'll get there. Yeah, right? There you go. Yeah, I'll work on it. You don't want to trust the Trailcasters board shorts yet, Ian. That, that, that <laughs> sewing, I don't trust to, to the fullest yet. <laughs> You know, I don't, I don't, I don't want, I don't want my seams to rip as, uh, as, as Keith takes a dive into the frigid Columbia in the middle of July and home alones it like Kevin McAllister in the plaza pool, right? And just grabs his shorts real quick after, after a cannonball, which is also funny because it's just like your pants aren't coming up with a, with, or aren't coming off during a cannonball. That's not how, that's not how physics works. <laughs> like all your, all your energy's taking you down. What are you talking about? Like. Maybe if you dove in head first, then the the, the 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 physics and the resistance would pull them up over your ankles, but not on a cannonball. He did a cannonball. Anyway, I I mean, you know, I could see maybe if you cannonball in there and then have to shoot straight up to the surface and you know, like like wait, you get vertical there, now they're being pulled down. That's yeah. not the, the goal. I actually just saw Macaulay Culkin, uh The Righteous Gemstones. Have you seen that show? No. It's a good one on HBO Max. Did you see Eastbound and Down with Danny McBride back in the day? When that no, was I know what you're talking about. But I didn't. I'm not, I'm not huge. Okay. On, I'm I'm really bad with TV, my man. I don't get a lot of TV time, unfortunately. Hell, you That's know, fair, since I got hired uh, back in the biz at Rip City Radio, I haven't even got to play. I've not got to play Dead by Daylight with you since I, I know, since my dude. first day of work in September. <laughs> I have been missing it, and I, you know, they've got the the Chinese New Year event running now. The uh, I don't even remember. There's some sort of theme about a rabbit's burrow, haunted burrow, or something yeah. like this. But uh, yeah, man, I've been going through these achievements. I'm getting all my rift challenges done, and I haven't seen any Burkhardt on there. I even got back on with uh, with T Mac the other day. We had Alex in there, had a crew like some of the old dudes. Crispy and the rest running with us. But no Burkhart. It's, well, it's, we miss just, you, sir. Just message me next time. You know, it, it takes <laughs> it takes two to tango. You just gotta reach out. Okay, and okay, that's fair. Not only that, Keith. My TV doesn't get to deviate from flipping Ryan's World and Bluey. <laughs> and, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. And Encanto <laughs> for the tenth time this week. So yeah. Yeah, that, that's that's the big difference is uh, for you, kid time comes before TV time and certainly kid TV time comes even before and like, Chris TV time. Yeah. Where me and Abby, like Abby gets home from work 7.30, 8 o'clock at night a lot during the week and I have to, I'm, I'm making dinner, got that ready and all we get to do is settle in on the couch, watch an hour or two of shows then she's got to go to bed and that's when I get on DVD. Yeah, I see, but, but you also have the, the circumstances where if you want to sit down and watch an hour and a half long episode of The Last of Us or however long it runs, yeah, you can sit yeah. down for an hour and a half me great show me that hour and a half long episode is gonna take four hours and two days to watch because i gotta hit pause anytime i hear the pitter patter of little feet because i don't need to see them seeing some zombie getting his head blown off right you gotta you gotta, you gotta, you gotta watch these things for your daughter i can't watch the walking dead i can't I, 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 nope half the time i just find myself going okay I guess I'm just I'm gonna watch Bluey by myself. And look, Walking Dead, you missed out for the first couple of seasons if you didn't catch those, man. But that that show went downhill. Last of Us is so much better. The Last of Us is a masterpiece. You you called the game when I hadn't played the game yet. You called the uh, the Last of Us. Uh, a work of art as far as video games go the show is the same level dude they've had three episodes out now nick offerman uh starring in the latest spoiler alert yeah whatever but just absolutely beautiful artwork just um, an amazing show anyone out there with hbo max if you're not watching this you're doing it wrong uh if you don't have hbo max you might need to do like what we did and just pick it up just for this show. It is that good. All right. Well, that's enough. Uh, that's enough of a preview of our uh, Trailcasters Talk TV shows. Let's get on to something a little more familiar for guests. Our uh, internationally renowned, critically acclaimed, worldwide appreciated love, hugs, and hate mail. Mr. Burkhart, where's your love going this week? My love is going to... The one, the only, the Hawaiian time Oregonian himself, <laughs> the Hood River Sasquatch, <laughs> Keith Feltner-Smith, for finally 
finding the time to come out to the iHeartRadio Music Lounge and pick up the <laughs> awesome coffee mug that has been sitting yes. in my car waiting for him for the last month and a half. Cheers to you, sir. <laughs> Cheers to you with this beautiful mug, man. I love it. I'm going to be using it every day. And like I said earlier, I, I'm just, I'm stoked that as soon as we posted pictures of it, we had other fans and they'd be like, give me one. Uh, so we're going to be getting those out this weekend. Uh, and we're making them to order, or uh, I should say you, sir, Mr. Burkhardt, are making them to order so far since you have the press and the printing over there. So if anyone wants the mugs or or some, some of these cool shirts that we'll be previewing pretty soon, too, come and join us on Discord, friends. You can get access to the swag like that stuff. You can get access to awesome cool pods like us and a handful of other friends like Unbiased, hey! Blazers What, hey! Busted Bucket, hey! Holy Backboard. Hey! We like the Blazers, who hey! I just guested with the other week. Go and check the latest episode out. Uh, even Sean Hyken is in there with us now. Shout out to Sean. Hey! As well as, you know, we got game day chats. We've got talk on music and movies, just like we've already been doing in here. If you like what you're hearing here and you're not on Discord, like I said about HBO Max, you're doing it wrong. You got to come and join us. So come and join the Discord. Get cool mugs. Get cool swag. And just just come join the party. You know, Chris, I've got, I've got two loves this week. My first love uh, is doubling up with you. I'm just sending it right back to you because this mug is awesome. I, uh, we can, I could keep talking about this probably for an entire episode on its own, but thank you for making these. You, I, I'll handle the editing on the show, and I can never call you out for, for not doing enough. These, are, these mugs are labors of love. The, bro, you got your, your handwork in here. This is like, this is just Chris Craft hey, right here. It's, it's, I, it's I, I gave you, hey, you can't ever pick on me for not touching the edits. Because if I touched <laughs> the edits, there would be no sound effect. So you would be, you would be sad. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah I'm, I'm protecting that one. My second love, Chris, it's got to go out to none other than Damien Lamont Ollie Lillard Sr. Because this dude is back to the, not just back to the dame that we all know and love, but I, I mean, honestly, he's... He's like career high Dame right now. He's putting out career best. Five 40-point games in January. Not even on the season. He's got eight on the season. But he's put up five 40-plus point games in January. Insane efficiency, including the most efficient 60-plus point game ever in NBA history. I believe also just the other night, I heard that he passed the 5,000 assist mark. And uh, I think that passed Terry Porter on the franchise uh, assist records. Uh, so, yeah, again, Dame... Breaking tons of milestones, putting up huge numbers, putting his putting this team on his back because once again we've seen the rosters maybe not quite up to what our preseason and early season hopes were after that 10-4 run. Mm -hmm. So all up to you, sir, for these for the wonderful Trailcasters mugs, and all up to Dame for the wonderful Trailblazers production. How about your hugs? Who do you have a hug? Oh for? man, my hugs are gonna go up north, okay, to our our friends in Seattle on the WNBA hardwood because they just their they, their fandom needs a hug because the the Seattle mm. Storm have been one of the Storm. best teams in the WNBA over the last handful of years but uh within the last few months it's like they had they they waved goodbye to the legendary Sue Bird uh right. you know flew away into retirement ever after an illustrious Hall of Fame career and then their face of the franchise too their superstar uh, Brianna Stewart posted oh. today on her socials that she is joining the New York Liberty. So she's no, going, really? she's, she is going and playing with, uh, with the, 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 the true basketball queen of the state of Oregon, Sabrina Unescu. Sabrina, over there, yeah. Uh, in Barclays Center with the New York Liberty. So yeah, hugs to the WNBA fam up in Seattle because uh, here in Portland, we have to do what we hate to do, and that is kind of claim you until the WNBA does what's right and brings the fire <laughs> back. Yeah. Oh man, that's 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 a rough one for Seattle too. We gotta also shout out some other WNBA fan bases. Uh we talked about the Las Vegas Aces last week. Or you brought up in this Love Hugs and Hate Mail segment the Aces and some of the crazy stuff that's been going on down there. I, honestly you brought up the issues with the Thorns right here in town, but then also related to the just some weird drama with the Aces and uh, you know, I guess Becky Hammond in the front office's feelings on on players and uh, players becoming mothers. We we will leave that where it is. But beyond that, Candace Parker has announced her return to the court. She's going back and she's going to play for the Aces, and she's being joined by Kelsey Plum. So uh, that team, the Aces, are going to be a, a powerhouse in the WNBA this upcoming season. Kelsey, and Plum. you got to feel for oh. some of the other fan bases. Get, like I want a roundtable like type show with like put me at a table with with Kelsey Plum. And Evan Turner and I'm I'm oh my I'm god I'm probably gonna be in <laughs> stitches by the end of it and just enamored with, with these two just 
larger than life personalities. Oh, I love Kelsey Plum. Kelsey Plum's fantastic. Uh, Evan Turner, man, he has had some great ones. One of our listeners, Jenna, uh, living down in Texas, hey! she is an Evan Turner stan. She's a huge fanatic. She uh, has been that way a long time. Jenna's had some rough times recently, uh, and you know that she has shared. I'm not, I'm not going, not pulling the curtain back or anything, but she shared this publicly on Twitter. Uh, she's had some rough times with you know job status and this and that. And ET jumps in her mentions, showing support. Man, he's down there, like he he sees her and he's cheering for her. And it's just cool. It's cool when you see celebrities, athletes, these dudes who live in, you know, a world above us in a lot of ways, coming down and just being a normal person, just being like a supportive friend. It was very cool. So shout out to ET for that one. Hey! And shout out to Jenna. Hope you're doing well. Hey! I've also got to throw some hugs for Blazer fans because uh, here we are approaching the trade deadline. This is going to be our trade deadline episode once we actually get into the basketball side of things. And Blazer fans, we've kind of got we're kind of tearing ourselves apart up here, man. We've got a bit of civil war going on in Rip City uh, between fans. Just, there are, there's just so many different ideas as far as what the team should be doing, what they could be doing before the deadline. Should it be trading Josh Hart, Penny Simons, Yusuf Nurkic, anybody, nobody? Uh, what will Cronin do? What should they do about John? There, there, there's just so many questions, and it seems like I'm hearing from fans on each side of each issue. So my, my hugs are going to... All the other Blazer fans that are just kind of caught in the middle of the crossfire. Uh-huh. But we're almost done. Just just keep your head down, guys. Uh, guys and gals and everyone else in between. Just keep your head down. We're, we're about a week out. The deadline is next Thursday, February 9th. And after that, we can move on from all the insanely burnout-capable trade talks and the rest. We'll get back to some actual, like, real present-day basketball. Last but not least, sir, you got any hate mail for us? Yeah, my... Hey, my hate mail is twofold. My hate mail is gonna do go somewhere where I I, I rarely send it, but my my uh, hate mail is going to um, the NBA officials after that Boston uh, LA game where they like I, I get missing <laughs> calls in the game, but how do you miss one as egregious as that? Like like uh, Jason Tatum uh, just lopped LeBron James's arm off on that layup. It's just an <laughs> obvious foul. Uh, and you missed it, which is just odd to me. So not a good look for the the NBA officials. However, I'm giving them a free pass on this one because then they had to deal with uh, the oh my <laughs> god over the top theatrics of LeBron James. So insanely uh, he over runs the top. Ar- he runs around the court as if someone in the front row just told him that someone shot his dog. And it's just like he's everywhere. And then you get, uh, uh, I mean, it is probably a top five technical foul all time. But then you get this nonsense from Patrick Beverly grabbing one of the cameras and then showing the the, showing the ref. Like, look, it's a foul. And then you get teed up for it. Like, like, it was funny in the moment. Like, Like, I've never seen that before. But again, like, like. Dude, the, they, the call's done. It's over. Move on and try yeah, to win dude. the game in overtime. Do that stuff after. Um, so the theatrics uh, were a, a little bit crazy, especially LeBron's. Like, oh, my god, LeBron's like, dancing around, man. But if someone really did you know, kill his dog, that's how he would react. And you know what? We need less of that. We need more John Wick. Like, just get out there and start you know, kicking yeah. ass and taking names, right? That's what I'm uh, saying, man. You don't come for my dog. You yeah, know? <laughs> but it's twofold because, like I said, the, the 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 theatrics of it, the reaction was just so over the top, uh, which is just dumb. It's laughable. But at the same time, like, uh, almost a reason for it because that call was awful. Insane. Awful. Like, there are Absolutely. missed calls in a game, Keith. But usually, like, okay, I could, like, they missed the call, but I can see where where he missed it i could see when you miss like the off ball screen missing that one is just like yeah on freaking real and it's not just like fans at this point because then you saw plenty of nba players uh current and Mm, former voicing their concerns on social media about how bad officiating has been for a while now it's been bad uh yeah not a great look so that's where my hate mail's going just just be better and something you and i have talked about before like if you can pay, if you can pay Damian Lillard sixty million dollars in his mid thirties, right? A, a contract that everyone argues, oh, is that going to be a, a toxic contract or this and that, and people are getting overpaid? You can go sign Miles Turner to an extension that's going to give him thirty mil for the rest of the right. year. You can pay Jonathan Isaac seventeen million dollars a year when he doesn't even play. Not even uh, on the floor. <laughs> then you can afford. Then you, as a league have the financial stability in there to say, okay, 
we're going to double our referee work uh not workload our no double our, 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 our we're gonna double our referee workforce and we're gonna have the roster the stock yeah, yeah we're gonna have five referees on every single court like why the uh, hell not like, man like, get it right get the calls right if that's what it takes yeah and so it's pretty it's just it's just it's just it, crazy it's crazy me. man we, we've look i i go off on the refs all the time it's been an issue for a while, but like the the recent part of this season, let's just even just say the last month, 2023, been so over over the top of what you'd expect as far as fire coming at the refs from all angles, like you said, from fans, from players, from coaches, and it's warranted. They're they're just not doing well. There are so many blatant and obvious either mistakes or non calls, or whatever else. And the real thing about this, like you're saying, it could be fixed. All you got to do is stop with the. Like, all you got to do is get past the archaic system we've had as far as the three refs that have to keep up with the players and rotate uh, on the floor as far as baseline and sidelines as they go up and down the court each time. That's a workout. Like, if you didn't have to be watching dudes, just doing the movement that the refs go through on a game-to-game -game basis is a workout, let alone the travel, let alone uh, having to know the guys, having to, having to know all the actual intellectual side of things that go on. We have the technology. We have the cameras to aid these guys and, and make it better, make it easier, make it more accurate. And then, like you said, just go from having... I mean, right now, they got three refs on the floor, and there's supposed to be a fourth at least, I think, in every game. You put four on the floor and an extra, or five on the floor and one extra, maybe four on the floor and one guy doing video review the whole time, just so you don't have to take the time to slow things down and get the calls right. There are so many ways you could address this, modernize the system, and make it way more efficient for fans, for players, for, for everything. It just, it's only going to help the league. And I honestly, I feel like it's a matter of time, because you keep seeing these incremental tiny changes they, that they do year to year. But we need more. The fans are seeing too many mistakes, and you're you're gonna you're kind of poisoning the well if you let this go on. It, it would just be so much better to fix. All right, my hate mail, very serious as well, almost as serious and and uh, as 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 large scale as the refing issue, bro. They took dragon fruit cider off the taps at the Rose Garden. <laughs> like what the hell? This is by far uh, avid cider from out in Bend makes a dragon fruit cider that has been at the Rose Garden for a good while. They also also got a blackberry cider and some other flavors, but the dragon fruit is just the best. I go in there good. the other night for the game. I, I had a, just a little bit of a scare. I go in there for this uh, Saturday's game against the Raptors. Uh, we go up and we try to order three dragon fruit ciders, and the guy says, oh, we don't have those anymore. How about this peach apricot cider? Oh, hell like, no. He, and then he's telling me, uh, I'm like, oh, is this is it just out here? Do you need a fresh keg? Is it at any of these other stands? And he's, no, no, no. They're replacing it. They're replacing all the dragon fruit with peach apricot cider, and I was bummed. Like, this is pregame. I entered. That's probably why the Raptors game didn't go well for us, because I came in with just bad karma and bad feelings right off the top. The, the good news, fortunately, when I came back Monday for the game against the Hawks, I did find an avid stand, like one of the actual kiosks in the hallway on the 300 level, not over at the Pines where we usually yeah. do our drinking. But the stand for avid does still have dragon fruit. And that guy assures me that they've still got it. They've still got kegs of it. It's still going to be on tap. So crisis averted, let's say. The one of two crises. One of two crises averted yeah. as far as the, the dragon fruit cider will still be here. So now all we got to do is address the referees. Yeah, absolutely. And let's just be completely honest here. I'm I'm not trying to take a dig at anyone's taste because you like what you like. Uh, but if you are actually avidly, pun intended, hey going out and looking for things that are peach and apricot flavored, uh, <laughs> you're either eating nothing but baby food or you are a psycho because nobody <laughs> in their right mind picks peach flavored anything off the shelf first that's nope. why that's why if you go look at look at body armor they have all their flavors that that peach mango that's always full you never have to worry about that peach. one being out of stock go to your yogurt. mango's go to your, good it's being brought down by peach like exactly flavor, it but. is go go to your yogurts look go go look at your your, your yo place <laughs> right peach, always be stocked on peach, peach is always stocked no one no one no one in their Nowhere. right mind, seeks Nobody. out peach-flavored anything first. Nowhere. Yeah, nobody, nobody can tell you. Well, someone can. The general nobody can tell you, Keith, what an actual dragon fruit tastes like. <laughs> they could probably go to the produce aisle and not know what an actual dragon fruit looks like. But they all know 
yeah, I'm pretty sure that that fruit that I've never had and don't know what it looks like is better than I'll anything peach flavored. It's just, yep. these are just the facts. <laughs> I'm just bringing. It, you're, you're 100% right, man. It is very true. And for the record, dragon fruits look awesome. They, they, they look do. like something out of a video game. And if you cut them in half, it looks like cookies and cream ice cream. They are amazing. They're yes. one of the coolest fruits I, out there. I feel obligated as an islander to know what, you know, a dragon fruit looks like. <laughs> um, but... Does your general does your general person know without looking it up because someone said dragon fruit? No, like, no, no, no way did I just do that. Definitely didn't Google dragon fruit. No idea. No. <laughs> peaches, peaches have fuzz. Who wants a fruit that has hair? That's just weird. Look, e- even dudes in the arena, man, when when they're trying to sell me, oh, this peach apricot cider is the way to go. One dude says, oh, it's it's a real sweet kind of a juicy flavor. You'll like it. Thinking maybe he's selling to some like juicy IPA lover or something. I, I don't even drink much beer at this point, honestly. It's all just cider and wine and tequila. But I go to someone else when I finally get that dragon fruit cider, and he's saying, oh, the peach apricot's not so bad. It's a real dry cider. Which is it? You can't be dry and juicy sweet. It's one or the other. Those are opposite ends of the spectrum as far well, as cider goes. Oh, They're also telling you that the dragon fruit ain't on tap anymore, and the other guy's telling you they got plenty. So y'all need yeah. to get there at one center court. You need to get... You get your act together. You get on the same page you guys here. Need to, yeah, be, be a little more in sync on your libation library. Your libations archive or stock is just, it, it's, it doesn't seem accurate. You guys don't know what you're talking about. All right, well, now we can actually get into the basketball talk for the week. And the basketball talk this week, it still isn't quite real basketball. We're still in all the theoreticals because the trade deadline is eight days away. Probably not really seeing any big deals go down right until about that date because that's just usually how it goes everyone waits till the last minute and all you're going to hear about is theoreticals till then including a whole bunch of really bad fake theoretical trades which we <laughs> saw some of this morning that got me got me a good laugh i think what we really need to do first as far as uh i, I wanted to find the roles that teams take going towards the trade deadline here because obviously chris we have buyers teams that are looking to maybe pick up a piece and make that postseason run or make a, a strong uh run towards the title we have sellers teams that are looking to reset their roster or maybe kind of you know move up in the draft stock and honestly there's a lot of people that probably don't fall into buyers or sellers and i think this is kind of where portland lands i'm going to call them opportunists maybe teams that are looking at like they they want to add a piece but it's not for an immediate short-term goal like this postseason we, we could be looking to maybe drop a piece or sell in if if the right trade arises but we're not trying to reset entirely we've already done that we're in, we're in the middle of trying to come back up would you agree with that would you say portland is probably an opportunist versus being a, a true buyer or seller yeah i would agree with that because i still think I, and i know blazer fans gonna get uh up in arms if there's very little movement um at the deadline i think the deadline move that probably is again most likely to be made josh hart um but other than that i think the the smart move for cronin keith is to not make a make a move so you know hastily and and just get it done like he needs to make sure everything is done properly and it's the best move and that to me is going to say off season because you look mm. at the uh like you just said i think there are a lot of teams in that same boat that are more opportunistic versus true buyer or true seller uh, but that's kind of all resets itself as you go into the off season where everybody's right. going to try to make a big splash you have you're going to have more people available you're going to have people trying to unload money for um free agency or what have you and the drag like there's so many more moving parts and there again there's going to be more available so i think that's where the big splash comes i think if there is a move here at the deadline it's a small one and you do have assets that are available both ways whether you're using them as an asset to bring in talent or you're going to use them as an attractive asset uh to you know lure another team to take them off your hands as you said kind of a opportunistic seller so yeah it's definitely i think a tough trade deadline uh for the blazers because again there's no true direction with where they're sitting in the standing honestly i think it's gonna be kind of a tough or let's just say a tight trade deadline around the league it seems like we've talked before about how tight the west is blazers today sitting in 12th place but we are only two games behind being fifth uh and not just being you know into the straight postseason but maybe even one game more than that we'd be challenging for a top four seed so it's with all those teams packed in so tightly, the parity, honestly, it's, it's nice to see parity like that going around the league, but what it really does is no one wants to sell. Everyone, Every team thinks they could be a buyer at some level or another if things just fell right, if they could just get this one piece or if some other team, you know, makes the first move happen and everything starts to open up. Yeah, Maybe it, we'll see. 
May, like, maybe, maybe we'll kind of see that happen. Like if, once we see that first domino fall, maybe we start to see a couple other trades kick off as people just kind of scramble for all the leftover pieces. But yeah, I, overall, I think it. Uh, this might be a bit disappointing for a lot of fans that are hoping for that big blockbuster and end up having to wait for the Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and I get what you're saying with there being parody, at least within the standings, but it's not true parody. Like true, no, it's not. true yeah. parody would be that the Blazers who are in 12th and just, you know, close to being a top five seed are a super talented team who uh, is worthy of being a top five seed. It's just, you know, everyone's <laughs> cannibalized each other a little bit because everyone's so yeah. good. It, it's, it's not top down parody. You're totally right. If, if I'm looking at the top three from either conference, Blazers are not one move away from being, you know, easy favorites or, or you know, contending hard with the Nuggets, the Grizzlies, or uh, the Kings. That, that's painful to say. Even in the Eastern Conference, the Celtics, Bucks, 76ers up top. We don't, we, I don't want to see that matchup. But you go below that on either side, Cavs, Heat, Knicks, Hawks in the East, or Clippers, Warriors, Mavs, Suns, Wolves out here in the West. I, we're not favorites against them, but I'm not that mad about the matchup either. It's a form of parody, but it, like you said, it's, it's not... It's not that true top-down yeah. parry that you want to see. Beyond that, honestly, too, we're not one move away. And so that does maybe lean towards any big move, any kind of big trigger-pulling uh, swing is going to probably happen more likely in the offseason than now. The other side of this, though, we're talking about that race to the top, people being buyers to try and get up the top end. Sellers as well. Usually you have teams, and you still could as we get close to this deadline over the next week, but usually you'll have a lot of teams that, oh, these dudes are selling. These guys are trying to get rid of everything they can to do like what the Blazers did last year, where we didn't sell necessarily at the deadline. We, we sold CJ off, but we the rest of our roster, we just basically put on injury reserve and let the team kind of do some historical tanking in that sense. And even then, despite the historical tanking efforts that we had, we still didn't get down to being like the top lottery odds. And a lot of that comes to the fact that the Lottery odds have been flattened as of a couple of years ago, like 2019, right? And tanking, essentially, without getting into all the machinations of it, tanking is just less rewarding than it used to be. And so I, yeah. I think, in the in the same sense, you got, you know, you got the fans that are saying, oh, if we could only get Nurk to play a little better and Simons to really fulfill his potential and make this one move, then hey, we'd be top of the West and could be uh, really pushing for for the season around Dame. You have a lot of other fans that would be saying, hey, if only we move some of these guys off and really tank, get Wembenyama, Wembenyama, whatever the name is. I don't care about the spelling of the name because we're not doing it. It's not going to happen. But I think that is a lot of what else we're seeing with kind of the, the, the tightness and the parody. To your point, I think it's interesting because I don't know, I, like I don't see very many teams being true sellers to your point, right? Like the, yeah, so I agree. you usually look at like a team that's in the bottom of the standings, right? Like, okay, teams in the bottom, maybe they want to tank, who's there? Okay. So like you got the Houston Rockets, right? Like who are they gonna sell? Like the like if they have a true selling piece because they have young young guys and they want to get in the draft, so their their selling piece is Aaron Eric Gordon, right? Like may, he's not part of the future. Obviously that's not a trade target for Portland. I'm not talking about the Blazers at the moment. I'm just talking about teams that are you know could theoretically have a piece to sell. Uh, but outside of him, they're not gonna be sellers, right? Uh, San Antonio has been bad, so maybe you get some play on on uh, Podol, right? Because I, I, he's a good center, good starting center. Uh, but brutal. again, lots of Turtle youth brutal. there. They're not going to be be looking to sell. I still think Orlando is probably the team that's going to get the most calls from people uh, because of just the logjam of wings that they have. Guys like Franz as far as Vogt. being like a true yeah. seller, yeah. yeah Fra uh, Franz Wagner, Mo Bamba, Jonathan Isaac, all gettable. Uh, they really like uh, Wendell Carter, but I think even he could be gettable for the right price. Maybe some team needs some uh, point guard depth, and you got Markel Fultz who could be shipped a little bit. And the thing is, you look at the bigs that they have, right? So like I just said, uh, Isaac, Bamba, uh, Franz Wagner, and very, very good chance of adding Wembenyama to that player pool, right? So they've got to have to free <laughs> up space at those positions for that guy, right? So again, I think they are probably the biggest seller on the market. Um, Detroit is awful, but who the hell do they have that they're really going to sell? Like, are they <laughs> going to get rid of a Sadiq Bay? Or are they going to continue to try to build around him? Charlotte is I an mean, interesting one. Charlotte Charlotte has far, far underperformed uh, what I think anyone yeah. thought they would do. Um, and they need to make some drastic moves because they have an absolute all-world talent at least when it comes to passing that ball, right? In LaMelo, but the pieces around him, uh, just they're lacking a lot. They are lacking a lot. So look at the like the Blazers, right? Like I, I'm not saying there's any trade going on here, but like 
uh, an Anthony Simons on a team like that that could just use a guy who can just go get buckets. That's that's not a bad fit. If they were in true playoff contention, Josh Hart would be nice for him. Um, I do think maybe that's a good spot to start making calls. This is one that uh, Chad Doing floated around, but say it's it's Josh Hart and Yusuf Nurkic. Uh, I can't remember the financials how it works, but like a PJ Washington yeah. and and uh, Mason Plumley swap, right? And people would freak out about that. Dude, Mason Plumley's numbers are he's doing well, barely he's playing, barely he's like worse than Yusuf right Nurkic's, right? Uh, and he's the least consistent. Um, and PJ Washington <laughs> would give you a nice power forward. You can move Grant around. So there's a piece there. And I actually think Yusuf Nurkic uh, maybe would be good in a, a little bit of a pick and roll with LaMelo. Um, and we'll get into that because I know your feelings on Nurk. And I am, I, I am a, a, a hardcore Nurk defender. We all know it. But I, I, I am ready to Viking style <laughs> shit that set the ship off and send my flaming arrows <laughs> at it and watch it burn as it goes over the horizon. <laughs> Just, just other than that though, Keith, I think the Raptors are in this in this mode too. They're a real, real. They are a real interesting one to me, Keith, because they have a lot of pieces that they can sell, but they have to make the right move because they can sell the right piece and bring in the right piece and kind of flip the script on that team pretty quickly. Say, say OG is the one that they get out out of town, right? And they bring in a guy who can come score buckets. I still think that's what they're missing is just a true scorer, like a guy who's Penny not Simons. a two-way player, who's just a guy who can just go get you buckets, which is why Ant would be a good fit there. Say you say OG for whoever you get in to come and be your scorer. You still have Scotty Barnes and Pascal Siakam, right? And it's just like, ooh, that's not bad. Yusuf Nurkic would be a good play there too, because as up and down as he's been, they, they don't have a true, true center, right? Go put him there and get Precious Achua to be your backup. Like there's there's moves to be made. And I don't need to go up and down the whole list, but it just I think You're good. You're good. I I just think teams that you think would be normal sellers just aren't because they just don't have the pieces. Um, what do the Bulls do? They're a good one. The Pacers kind of made up their mind when they locked up Miles Turner. So that like they're they're gonna maybe look to buy a little bit. Um I think an interesting one, really, though, that Portland is going to look at is Utah. I think Utah is, even though they have, even though they outkicked their coverage, so to speak, you know, shot over over their, uh, what they were supposed to do in the beginning of the season, just like Portland, unlike Portland, uh, Portland still has Dame. Portland has uh, good pieces like Jeremy Grant around it. And you know that Portland wants to build moving forward. Um, and they've already said as much. Utah, on the other hand, they went full blow it up, right? They, we're, we're getting rid of Rudy Gobert. We're getting rid of Donovan Mitchell. We're blowing it up. We still have pieces to get out there. Mike Conley's definitely available for a team that could need him. Um, tell me, like, dude, like LA, go get, find a way to get Mike Conley in there. Give you a, a better shooter and a defender than mm. Russell Westbrook or something, right? Mm. Uh, but when I talked to a friend of the show on courtside the other day, uh, Tyler Gibb, who's currently working for the Jazz, uh, asked his his take, and Blazer fans are going to love this. I'm sure Mac Deuce is going <laughs> to love it as he listens in. But a player that he said is definitely gettable for the Jazz because he thinks the Jazz are still in full sell mode. He said, "Look, look at Danny Ainge's history. Like he's not going to do one off season to blow it up and then see what happens and go full buy. He's going to continue to stockpile assets and picks and all that." Um, but he thinks that Jared Vanderbilt is still very, very gettable for a lot of teams. And I know a lot of Blazer fans love him. Quick update here for the Trailcasters listeners. Less than 24 hours after Chris and I recorded this part of the episode, we had an update from Shams on Vando. I'm Shams Trevania with breaking news. The Portland Trailblazers have emerged as a strong suitor for Utah Jazz forward Jared Vanderbilt. Sources tell me... Portland is among a few teams showing interest in Vanderbilt, who appears increasingly likely to be dealt ahead of the February 9th NBA trade deadline. Vanderbilt is averaging 8.5 points, 7.8 rebounds, and nearly three assists a game in 24 minutes per night for the Jazz in his fifth NBA season, and he was among the pieces that Utah acquired in the Rudy Gobert trade. And even if that that game where you watched Dame go off for for sixty, right? One thing I that stood out to me, and I was I was when you first brought up Ver, uh, Vanderbilt at the beginning of the season. I'm like I'm I'm not really sold on Jared Vanderbilt as as a, as a starting forward for for a team moving forward, and he's still not great offensively. But the thing is, 
Offense is not Portland's problem. Offense has never been Portland's problem. It's they can't get stops, dude. They need stops. And yeah. what I did like about Jared Vanderbilt's game in that game against the Blazers uh, last weekend, his defense was money, dude. Mm. He's a power four, but he played all over the floor. He would he would guard he would guard guards up top above the arc and lock him up. Like he's a really really good defender. Honestly, like watching more of his games, a way better defender than I thought. It could be a really good fit in Portland and a lot of teams. So I think Utah might be more of a seller than people think as well. Someone else I didn't hear you mention, though, Chris, as far as maybe a team that could have that first domino that might really get these trades kicked off here. Phoenix, there's been talk about for a while. There's been talk pretty much all season about Jay Crowder and DeAndre Aiden not being happy down there in Phoenix. And these are the kind of things that could line up with, like, you know, Josh Hart and maybe a Nurkic package going down there for Jay Crowder. And I, I don't think we're gonna be getting Crowder and Aiton back, even if you put Hart and Nurk and some <laughs> second round picks together or whatever. But it's, I, I see that as an option. And I, I love the idea of Crowder on this team. Obviously Aiden would be nice. The the salary cap is a whole nother issue, but you leave that to the, to the financial guys. But do you see that as maybe bringing that kind of defensive mindset more with Jay Crowder and Aiden just being an improvement for the roster up here? Uh, Jay Crowder right now would be the most Olshay move of Neil Olshay moves because <laughs> Jay Crowder uh, should have been a Blazer like three or four years ago. Like, <laughs> like, like uh, so you're not saying a lateral move as much as just it should have happened already. And like, to me, getting Jay Crowder is the equivalent of, of Neil Olshay going out and signing a 57 year old Pau Gasol and telling you it was going to move the needle for the, uh, for the, for the, the remainder of the year. And then he never played a game. Right. Uh, here's the deal. You don't J think what? what you don't think Crowder, you don't think Crowder is good enough still as far as his game to make a difference. You're saying he's just too past prime for Crowder. No, I, I love Jay Crowder. I love Jay Crowder. He has long been one of my kind of like probably in my top 10 favorite players. Yeah. But it, dude, it, he, he again, he would have been a perfect blazer uh, like three years ago. And this is yeah, just like, okay, you you're, you're just reaching out to the guy that you always want to associate with your team. Now, here's so you can move him. This is the last year of his contract. So he's going into unrestricted free agency. Uh, okay. He did originally sign a three-year deal, so should have uh, his bird rights should travel. But even so, like, are you going to go dump the money on him? And I think that if he hits unrestricted free agency, uh, there is going to be a ton of teams finding ways yeah, to get yeah. him because whether it was Miami or Phoenix or what have you i think he's a proven commodity that can help a playoff team so portland would be in a in a financial battle that i just don't know that they can you know take on so there's some issues there i i would rather if i'm going to get rid of hard i would i would try to maybe get an asset that's gonna be locked in for more than that year or have some financial flexibility to allow me to to keep them on the low um because Crowder's going to hit the, the free agent market and probably just like Josh Hart command that, you know, 15 mil or more. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, He's very much like their version of Josh Hart in the sense that yeah. a lot of teams, like you're saying, a lot of teams could benefit from having him. And that means if we wait on trying to get him, like you said, it's going to be a financial mess or at least a, a race that we probably don't have the guns for. Uh, at the same time, though, Chris, like we've talked before, Josh Hart with that player option as well, probably not going to be a blazer. So if you're going to move him doing it now, Maybe it seems like the thing to push for. At the very least, it would, it would Crowder not be a better asset for us in the future? I don't. I mean, I mean, I don't know if if he's a better asset because again, you have to factor in: Are you going to be able to lock him up? Are you gonna have? Right, yeah. Are you gonna have the money to do what you want to do um, after you lock in Jeremy Grant? Like, there's so many uh, moving parts to that. Um, now, mm. if you do trade, this is this is the, the the caveat, right? Is you are talking to his agent, you're talking to him, you're talking to the GM. If you do trade him under the belief that he's going to re up with you, then you do it in a heartbeat because Jay Crowder sure. is very much a, a, a very good, perfect fit uh, for the Blazers. Don't get it twisted by my comparison to. Uh, uh, Pau Gasol. It was just more of Pau, Pau Gasol came to Portland, you know, five years too late. Uh, I think it would work. I like Jay Crowder a lot. I just, which way are you going? Is he going to be locked up? Or are you just making a lateral move for a guy who's, who's 
a bigger Josh Hart, right? Right, right. And does it move the needle for you truly moving forward? And the other issue that we have to mention here as far as, you know, will Portland make a move, won't they? What size of a move will it be? Or does it have to wait till the offseason? What teams want right now, at least what the buyers want, as far as the pieces that we're hearing about, the OGs, the Crowders, the John Collins, the, the Yaka Pirtles, uh, the Bojan Bogdanovich, all these guys that are said to be kind of like, oh, that could be a nice piece for us. These teams want picks. What does Portland not have? Picks. As much as we have, you know, like the Hart, Nurk, and, and Simons are all, I, I think they're all valuable assets. I, I think uh, some people in this room here, Mac, might disagree with Nurk being a positive asset. Uh, I, I think there's value from all of them. But what teams are looking for is that that draft stock. The pieces to gain more pieces, I guess, is what I'm looking to kind of say as I get tongue-tied. At this point in time, again, I know you're, you, you are defending him, and I have defended him for... For a very long time i think the writing is on the wall i think i think yusuf nurkic is not a positive asset at all anymore whether it's as a trade asset at or a all? playable asset i think it's obvious in the fact that in crunch time in big minutes if the team needs defensive stops coach billups has been playing drew eubanks more than he's been playing yusuf nurkic because he can't trust yusuf nurkic yusuf nurkic gives zero effort on defense anymore offensively he is the roller coaster that you and i have talked about ad nauseum right right um and the thing is i said this last night with with uh with chad on the full well, not last night a previous game on the fifth quarter against the hawks is that when yusuf nurkic is on when he's on a hot streak he's a top 10 center mm -hmm. when he mm -hmm. is giving you his 20 and 10 and four assists and and life is good right when Yusuf Nurkic is bad, he's a bottom 10 center. Like, maybe a bottom 5 center, because when he's bad, he's awful. And Portland, at this point, just needs consistency. I, I hear what you're saying as far as he... Nurk is well, that roller coaster like we talked about, and it's too much of the Six Flags roller coaster with the giant dips. Yes. Mason Plumlee that you mentioned earlier would be a lesser, more of an Oaks Park roller coaster with less dips in between, but he's not going to have the highs either. This is why, you know, top 10 versus bottom 5, we've talked about Nurk probably averaging out to be about, like, a top 15 center. But Chris, that, that's still, I get what you're saying, maybe where it doesn't have value for Portland because we need the consistency, but that still has value as an asset. No. Like, there's still going to be teams out there that look at no big. No way. You don't think that some people are going to look at Nurk and say, hey, if he's in our system, we could get him to be more consistent. Or we could get rid of some, we could iron out some of these bumps if he's here in our system. Portland and Billups just aren't using him right. Because we've, we've questioned Billups before on, on his trust of some of these guys and whether he's doing the right to, right things for the team and calling the right plays. No, I think, no, because I think that's what makes it worse because I think that Portland has tried to maximize his his usage to the best of his ability, running him in those pick and rolls as, a, as of late, using him as a passer, things that we've talked about. And you look at Jacopotl, yes, Jacopotl is in the, in the last year of his contract, and he's not as good offensively as Nurk when Nurk is on, right? But Yusuf Nurkic is making almost $16 million this year. And at the end of his contract is going to be making 20. Jakobodo right now is making 10. Like the, wow, is and it you're that low? Yes, and you're getting you're getting very similar point production. It's 12 versus 14. Your rebound numbers are about the same. Your assist numbers are about the same. And you start looking through the metrics of everything. The block numbers for Jakopodl are better because he is a better defender than Yusuf Nurkic is. And he's not taking three-point shots, so you don't have to worry about that. And the big thing, one thing that is an annoyance of Yusuf Nurkic is, is that Yusuf Nurkic is a seven-foot big who shoots 52% from the floor. Hmm. Jakob Pertl <laughs> yeah. is shooting, and I've, I've pronounced his name ten different times as I've said it ten different Pertle. times. So I'm, I'm Pertle, I'm, Turtle, Turtle, Pertl. Okay, Pertl. I'm sorry, uh, Jakob. <laughs> um, but he's shooting sixty-two percent from the floor. So th there's a, a a vast difference there, and people, oh well, Nurk's taking threes. Your, Nurk is not taking enough threes to right. to drag down his overall field goal percentage by that much. He's taken. He's also hitting the threes kind of well. Like that's not the issue with his. Yeah, he's shooting the them. At, he's, he's shooting the rim. He's shooting them at forty percent. But on his two point field goal attempts, let's fact, let's look at that only. On his two point field goal attempts, which what ninety five percent of those come at the rim. He's shooting 56% yeah, on those on those those two-point attempts. Now, again, uh Pirtle has not attempted a three 
So all of his two-point attempts, much like Nurk, which all come at the rim, he's shooting at 62%. It's just a, he's a much more efficient center within his usage rate, right? So it's like, so when I have a guy like, like Pirtle, who is efficient when he's used, um, is a better defender, right? And is getting 10 mil. And Yusuf Nurkic is a seven foot big shooting in the 50 percentile, or not 50 percentile, shooting in the mid 50 percentage uh, from the rim, basically, who is a negative defender who doesn't block shots, who doesn't move like he did pre-injury, unfortunately. And I look at that and say he's going to he has a, a, a increasing scale salary that's going to be paying him 20 million dollars. So you're going to be paying $20 million for a guy who in three years from now is not all of a sudden going to flip the switch and be averaging 20 and 10. I know this sounds weird, but this is Yusuf Nurkic's 10th year in the league, right? Ninth year in the league, whatever. He's been here for a minute is the point. So he's not just flipping the switch and all of a sudden, oh God, Yusuf Nurkic is an all-star? Like, no, he is who he is right now. So you you might be right. I might be wrong. I might be right. You might be that might be wrong we'll see when it all all settles but i things. think when you factor in all those things and his up and down play which has been far more down than in the past i think yusuf nurkic is not a mega valuable asset that's why i think if you are going to get rid of a yusuf nurkic like the trade uh i i said it uh it, with charlotte you're gonna have to bring back a guy like a mason Plumley, who is consistent and he's in the same tier-ish as Yusuf Nurkic. And maybe Charlotte goes, okay, I like Yusuf Nurkic because he scores a little bit more. I can use him in the pick and roll. He's a good screen center. Uh, I don't need to move him around the floor as much as Mason Plumley moves around. But the point is, you're just you're trading a mid-tier center for a mid-tier center. Yusuf Nurkic ain't gonna bring you back the piece that you're missing. Nurkic isn't gonna bring the, back the piece we're missing. I just I, I'm I'm just not as low on some of this. I you're putting Pirtle on the same level as him. I, I saw something the other day comparing centers averaging like 14 to nine or better. We're talking about Vucevic, Embiid, Jokic, uh, Sabonis, Bam Adebayo, DeAndre Ayton. Nurkic is. He's not outperforming these dudes, but he's putting up similar numbers to the top 10 centers in the league with less usage. I, I, I'm not saying that he's consistent. That is the problem. The problem is that he's is too many lows recently. To be fair as well, the entire Blazers team has had too many lows recently. It wasn't that long ago, like end of 2022, where we were talking about Nurkic just having more highs than lows. The, you, the problem is definitely the ups and downs. No. I'm not saying he's some insanely valuable piece. I just think people are underselling no, because of the recency bias me. a little bit. You, you lost me. I didn't realize that Pirtle was getting only 10 mil. That, that's, a, that's an interesting factor as far as the lower price and good production. And that's the kind of guy you want to go for is the consistency at a good rate. Nurkic is not the ultimate value in that sense. I just think that he's not the bottom rung value like some people are trying to sell it on because of how bad he's been recently. I'm not arguing that he hasn't been bad recently. It's just, you know, looking at a little bigger picture, guys. Listeners, we are in the thick of the NBA season and there are so many variables right now. Can Dame stay healthy enough to lead the team or are we gonna have to rely more on Jeremy? Will the Blazers make a move before the deadline or are we gonna wait for the offseason? Can we make the playoffs straight up or are we gonna get stuck in the play-in tournament in the middle of this stacked Western Conference? One thing's for sure, I know when I'm looking to get in on the action, I bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can bet just $5 pregame money line on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's not even the only promotion they have with DraftKings, but let me say this again so you're totally clear. Download the app now. Sign up with code TBPN for the Basketball Podcast Network. Place a $5 pregame money line bet on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do win. That's code TBPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Let's talk about some of the other assets real quick that the Blazers have besides Yusuf Nurkic. Because we mentioned Hart, and I think we've also kind of danced around it, but the other main asset that we'd be talking about for either a pre-deadline or off-season move is probably going to be looking at Penny Simons. What helps the Blazers more, moving on from Penny Simons or moving on from Yusuf Nurkic? If we did it like pre-deadline. Versus post. Uh, is, is there a difference to you? I mean, it, they're not created equal because it depends what you're getting back, how you're effectively doing stuff. Yusuf Nurkic could be uh, addition by subtraction uh, in the fact that you could be freeing up some of that salary and moving some pieces around. And it has to be the right trade to make it work. Because, um, again, you don't want to... I, 
I just I'm not a big fan of the Ant Dame backcourt myself. Um, I yeah, think man. I think you I can agree. I think you can make it work, but I think it's it's a little more it's different, but it's still the same as Dame and CJ. Uh, and to a point that I think don't some people don't want to admit it, but it is. Um, I think he's your better asset. He's going to bring you back more. Uh, but I just Simons think is. yeah, he's going to bring you back more. But I also think there would be some value in getting a five who's just consistent and better defensively. As for Anthony Simons, he is the piece that's going to bring you in something that could change, change your roster where you need it the most. Again, Yusuf Nurkic, I don't think, is the guy that's going to bring in a John Collins or an OG Ananobi or anybody, right? right? Someone already posted in our Discord, like, what do you guys think about this rumor I saw? It was Josh Hart and multiple picks for OG Ananobi. Uh, yeah, rumor? That's not a rumor. That, it's a fake either, account. <laughs> either AI did that or Mr. Burns was teaching a thousand monkeys to type on a thousand typewriters, and that was the tweet that came out. Because Josh, Josh Hart and uh, multiple second-round picks ain't getting you OG Ananobi. And guess what? Because of the protections that you have on the Chicago Bulls pick, uh, you have no first round picks that you can deal out. So sorry exactly. about your luck there, which again, that's a whole nother conversation, but the Blazers best course of action here uh, is if they are truly trying to build and make a move to build around Dame is to call Chicago and remove the protections from that pick. So this pick just goes to Chicago this season and Portland can trade those picks uh, moving forward. But Anthony Simons, uh, I think is the pick that go- that gets you the talent you need, Keith. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, I floated this idea. Everyone has, but like, if you said Ant Simons for OG Ananobi, I do that without question. And people go, "Oh, but OG Ananobi doesn't score as much." Again, who cares? Offense doesn't isn't your problem if you're the Blazers. We don't need scoring. But OG Ananobi is uh, leads the league in steals. Last time I checked, he still averages six rebounds per game. He averages his 18 points per game and he gives you you're no longer playing undersized guys at the three you're playing a legit six seven big body dude at small forward so you have a legit small forward which is what you need you have defense which is what you need you balance out your roster better you do that without getting uh getting rid of josh hart and you have your your two right now in josh hart and you go for the rest of the year uh and see what happens unless you trade him bring in another asset and oh man this is so bad we opened the door for Shaden sharp to get minutes right so I'm not Joe Cronin, which is nice, but, but if you want to make, <laughs> make a big splash, that's the guy you have to use. I'm, I'm with you on that. And, you know, just uh, like you were mentioning with, with the numbers, I, I, think what, I think what Simons brings as far as the, the, being the more valuable asset, the contract status, it lets us bring more back. Mac Deuce is about to join us in here, and he and I were going back and forth this morning. I just want to you know, be clear. I'm not saying Nurk can't be moved. He's not an untouchable dude. I just think it's a more clear uh, value for us to move on from Preferably Simons or Hart or, you know, if all three happen, because that's what you got to do to build around Dame, then so be it. All right. We are an hour in to our trade deadline burnout extravaganza. And this was just me and Chris bantering back and forth. We haven't even gotten to our friends from the Discord that are about to come and join us. Give us all of their trade thoughts as we wait out this last week before the deadline. So we're just going to have to call this one trade deadline burnout extravaganza part one. And I'll be dropping part two in a few days with... Our guys BMAC, hey, Diamad, hey, and Julio. Hey. So keep an eye out for those Vanderbilt and Jakob Pertl and Jay Crowder rumors. And keep an eye out for part two of this episode coming soon. In closing, your honorable listeners, that's it. That's our show. Thank you, Chris Burkhardt. Thank you, Odor, for these fat beats. And thank you, listeners, for a great listening. We hope you enjoy your Blazers, your Rip City basketball, and our latest episode. We hope you come and join the Discord and all the fun that we're having on there. Thank you again, and please come back in just a few days for part two of this edition of the Trailcasters. <laughs>